This is Doug Hastings, Vice President of Moody Radio, and we're thankful for support from our listeners and businesses like United Faith Mortgage. If you go to our mortgage team's website, you'll find hundreds of testimonials of real Christian radio listeners we've helped. Laura here is a recent friend who is kind enough to share a few words with her local station. I was actually referred to United Faith Mortgage through my mother-in-law. We decided it was time for us to start looking for a house, and I reached out to Kelly. And we found several houses we liked, but, you know, with the seller's market, things kept falling through. But anytime we needed her, she was there for us. She got everything we needed as soon as we asked for it, and she made it work. She made sure that if that was the house that our family wanted, we were going to get that house. They're a wonderful company, and we're just really blessed that we found them in the process, that they helped us get through it, and we are in the home of our dreams, and and our family is so happy. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp., 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Today on this edition of Bold Steps Weekend, Mark Job shows us what to do when you're facing a challenge. The way you survive your testing is you need to be listening to the voice of God in the middle of your testing. And then as he speaks to you today, there is a responsiveness, a willingness to say, if you're speaking to me, God, I'm listening and I'm acting and I'm obeying. Our tendency is to think that when we're being tested, it's a bad thing. But is that an accurate point of view? Welcome to our new Bold Steps weekend program with Mark Job. Mark is president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. And I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today we'll be turning to the book of Hebrews to discover that tests are a time of refining and reflection and for our own good. Every day, Mark shares the life-changing message of the gospel with people all across the country. And if you'd like to learn more about this program or our daily sister program, Bold Steps, visit us online at boldstepsweekend.org. Now, with the message titled, How to Survive a Test, here's Mark Job. We see it all through the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament that God will engage nations and cities and people in times of testing and It is a good thing when God is testing, shaking, refining, purifying. It's a good thing. But but not everybody survives the test well. And I want to begin by reading in verse 7. It says, so as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of, here it goes, testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors, here it is again, tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. This is going to be a testing time for all of us. It already is. The uptick in anxiety, isolation, stress, fear is at an all-time high. And this is not isolated to Chicago. This is across our nation. And obviously, uh, we are all affected in one way or another. It's a testing of sorts. 
And I have to admit, we either fail the test or pass the test. And so I just want to make sure that during this testing time that you're prepared for this testing. In fact, I, I don't look at the future with gloom. I'm excited about what God is doing. So in Hebrews chapter 3, the writer of the Hebrews is describing a group of people who is going through a testing. And he's talking to them. They had gotten stuck in this testing. They're getting pressured by the world the pressures of society, of persecution, is encroaching upon them. And so the writer of the Hebrews is reminding these believers of the testing that they're going through, and he, uh, he throws them back several hundred years to a testing that the people of Israel went through, and he says, let's learn some lessons from the people of Israel that went through this testing. And so... I just want to remind you that time plus growth equals maturity. Time plus stagnation or non-growth equals immaturity. Just because you lived as a believer for the last 15 years does not mean that you are a mature individual. Time does not create maturity. It's time accompanied with transformation and growth that brings us to maturity. I know a lot of people that have been believers for a long time, decades sometimes, and I would have to say they're still baby Christians in their maturity level and the way they operate because, and they say, well, I've been a believer for 25 years. Yeah, you've been a believer for 25 years, but I feel like you've been repeating kindergarten over and over and haven't grown to maturity because maturity is not based on time. Maturity is based on time plus growth, and that equals maturity. And the writer of the Hebrews is reminding these people, hey, you're in a time of testing, but this can be an incredible time of growth if you allow it to be. He first of all reminds them about this. You need to fight the pull to postpone obedience that leads to hardening. Notice he says in verse 7, so as the Holy Spirit says. That's really an interesting phrase. He doesn't say as Scripture says, as God says. He says as the Holy Spirit says. And I'm not really sure exactly why the writer of Hebrews approaches it that way, but I think he's bringing a, he's bringing a present, a immediate now the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The third person of the Godhead that takes the, uh, the power, the word of Scripture, he's making it not just as Scripture says in the past or as the word of God says, he's reminding them that the Holy Spirit Third person of the Godhead, active and alive, that convicts, that instructs, that teaches. Today, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And he says that the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. So it's about the present. Today if you hear his voice. What voice? The voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit. What does that voice sound like? Well, it's not an audible voice. He speaks through Scripture. 
but he speaks the Holy Spirit, speaks to your spirit, and you are convicted, encouraged, challenged, changed. It's the small whisper of God that if you've been a believer for some time, you start to learn to recognize the prompting and the voice of the Holy Spirit that he speaks to you through the word or through messages or through worship, but it's the Holy Spirit that's challenging you to grow. So he says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in rebellion. During the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. This uh, phrase, do not harden your heart, is in the present active. In other words, in the Greek it indicates that we do this to ourselves. It's not a hardening that is done to us. It's a hardening that we do to ourselves. Uh, how do we harden ourselves? How, how do you grow hard towards the Spirit of God in the time of testing? This is how you grow hard. When you hear the promptings of God, the convictions of God, the Spirit of God speaking to you, and you postpone, delay, or resist obedience. The more you say no, the more you delay, the more you procrastinate, then you will discover that your heart grows a little harder every time. A little harder, a little harder, a little harder, a little harder, until the day comes where it's very easy to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit because your heart has become so hard. Come on, has it happened to you? Man, it's happened to me. In areas of disobedience where the Spirit of God is speaking to me, and usually if it's easy, we would have done it, it, I ought to forgive someone, have a conversation, release an attitude, break of my pride, confess selfishness. Um, those hard things that God is working on us, when the Holy Spirit is prompting us, what the author of the Hebrews is saying is that the way you survive your testing is you need to be listening to the voice of God in the middle of your testing. And then as he speaks to you today in the present, there is a responsiveness, a willingness to say, if you're speaking to me, God, I'm listening, and I'm acting, and I'm obeying. That continues to keep our hearts soft and sensitive to the work of God. The incident that the writer of the Hebrews is referring to, you can find it in Numbers chapter 20, verse 1 through 13, or Exodus chapter 17, verse 6 through 7. It said, so Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa, which means testing, and Meribah, which means quarreling, testing and quarreling, because the Israelites quarreled because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us. Can I tell you this? Let, let me just say this. Oh, man, I wish I could preach, but you know, I, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on the, the clock here. Can I tell you this? How you handle pain, what you do in pain, is important because your response to pain can e either lead you to be a cynical, critical, disgruntled, joyless individual, or your response to pain 
can cause you to lean into Jesus in a deeper, more powerful way and let pain be a tool that molds you and shapes you like nothing else. There's always pain in testing. What I mean by pain, pain can come in a lot of various forms. Life isn't what you expected to be. You have to give something up. I mean, I don't have to speak to you. Of our, all of our worlds have been incredibly disruptive over the last five months. And there's pain in it. And I, I want to encourage you with this. Not discourage you, but encourage you that God can use your pain if you choose to lean into him during this time of pain because it's a testing time. The second thing that the writer of the Hebrews tells us is this. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Secondly, he says, recognize the condition of your heart before it starts to turn away. So he's talking to Hebrews that are in the middle of testing, and he says, hey, brothers and sisters, he says, see to it. That word, see to it, in the Greek is blepo, means to discern mentally and observe, perceive, or discover. You know, this is a self-examination. It's up to you to do a heart check on a regular basis and say, where am I, God? Have I allowed stuff to creep into my heart? This is a, a careful observation of our soul. This is an examination of our heart. This is a, let me be honest with you, God, through the lens of the word, through worship, through the response of the Holy Spirit. The very first chapel I did here, when I became president, I handed out buttons because I reminded the students that if you don't get the first button right, all of the other buttons will be wrong. I've gotten up in the middle of the night trying not to wake up my wife, you know, try to button my shirt and get out, and I realize, uh-oh, I got it wrong. So if you get the first button wrong, all the other buttons will be misaligned. Can I tell you what your first button is? Not as a moody student, but as a follower of Jesus. Your first button is what Jesus told Martha when he talked to Mary and Martha. And he says, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that. One thing is needed. One thing. Not four, five, six, one thing. What was that one thing? That one thing that Mary chose was to have a posture of surrender at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words attentively and allowing him to speak to her. And I want to challenge you. Take responsibility for your own spiritual life. A class not, is not going to do that. A chapel's not going to do that. The church that you attend is not going to do that. Your small group is not going to do that. You need to take responsibility of your own spiritual life and determine, I will not, I will not forsake that one thing that Jesus said is needed, and that is sitting at his feet in a posture of surrender, listening to his words, and responding with obedience. 
you are responsible for keeping your heart close to Jesus. And he says, of course, a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns us away from the living God. Unbelief is rooted, rooted in not trusting. It's not the inability to understand, but it's the unwillingness to trust. He says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So number three, safeguard your heart through regular spiritual encouragement. But encourage one another daily. And that's a lot of encouragement. Encourage one another daily. He's talking to believers who are in the middle of testing. He's telling them, hey, you need community. Yeah, take responsibility for your own spiritual life, but there's someone beside you. There may be a roommate that's struggling deeper than what you think, and your words of encouragement go a long way. This is a daily encouragement. It seems overboard, but there's a daily encouragement as long as it's still called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The word that's used here for encourage is the word parakaleo. Does that sound familiar? Those of you who've been around a little bit, the word parakaleto is used for the Holy Spirit in John. He says, wait because the paracolito will come, the one that walks beside you, that's your coach, that's your counselor, that's your helper, he's going to come. The word parakaleo is made up of two words, para, which means beside, and kaleo, which means to call out loud. So he's saying this, I want you to walk beside people, and I want you to speak into their lives. That's encouragement. And it's not always just, hey, bro, you're going to make it. Hey, turn to Jesus. Hey, I'm here with you. That's important. But it's also speaking truth in their lives when they need to have truth. That's encouragement. It's pushing us forward. It's causing us to grow. And so I want to challenge you as you start developing community here at Moody, as you start to get to know your friends, you build your little circle, I want to encourage you that you would uh, that you would walk beside people in your circle and that you would not be afraid to speak truth in love into their lives. Walk alongside of them. I was 17 when I started at Moody. I came straight from Spain. And my second semester, I got a roommate. His name was John Paul Mary. He was about 18. I had just turned 18. He had gotten saved at a beer party in Baltimore, Maryland the year before. The only believer in his own family. I have no idea how he got into Moody. But he was like straight up new believer zealous. And I tell you what, him and I developed a really close relationship of spurring each other on, of checking on each other's spiritual lives. We would go uh, go down to Rush Street and do evangelism, talk to people about Jesus. And um, he went through a hard time where he decided to quit. He was done, full of guilt, struggling with just, just his own stuff. And he went to Baltimore. And um, I felt like, no, this guy needs to be here. So he didn't know this. I traveled all the way to Baltimore, showed up at his doorstep and said, hey, bro, you're coming back to Moody because you got a call on your life. And, and, and you, need to, you need to continue on with God. And he came back. And uh, now he's a pastor that's planted a bunch of churches, led tons of people to Christ. But, but, but I, I needed someone to spur me on 
and he needed someone to spur him on as well. But, but, but I'm so grateful that I had people like him that would call me out on things. And he called me out on sin in my own life, challenged me. And I called him out on sin in his own life and encouraged him when he needed to. So that kind of honest transparency that you need to find, and it may not be your roommate, uh, but I encourage you to get those parakaleo relationships so that you can continue to go on. And let me tell you this, by the way, the language of the enemy is confusion, deception, and division. The language of God, clarity, truth, and unity. So speak it in the people that are around you. Listen, we live in a time in our country where our country is more polarized, divided, antagonistic than almost any other time that I can remember. And this is only going to increase. A lot of it's political, a lot of it's social, but it's going to increase. And it'll spill over into the corridors of Moody Bible Institute. So I, I want to challenge you as students to remember, before you're anything politically, before you're anything socially, you are first of all followers of Jesus, the Son of the living God. That is your first identity. Everything else is subject to your first identity, which means that you are a follower of Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, regardless of whether you come from the North or the South, whether, regardless if you're the Republican or Democrat, regardless if you're a Cubs fan or a Sox fan, regardless of the color of your skin, you are first of all a follower of Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so we're going to have to fight, fight, intentionally. Yeah, to have good, honest, and conversations, but remember, first of all, we are followers of Jesus, and that unites us deeper and stronger than any political party could unite us, than any color of skin could unite us, than any social economic stratus could unite us. We are, first of all, followers of the living God, bonded together by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, he goes on to say this. He repeats basically what he said before. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. As has been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in rebellion. So lastly, I just want to tell you, I just want to challenge you, don't procrastinate in responding to the voice of God. So today, if you hear his voice, today, not tomorrow, what has God been saying to you? What has he been speaking to you over the last couple of weeks? Have you been listening? Have you been stopping to hear? Have you listened to the convicting, encouraging, powerful voice of the Holy Spirit? And if you're hearing his voice, are you responding in obedience? That's the way you've passed the test. I was sitting here in this very chapel years ago, and I had developed a bit of a critical, disgruntled, cynical attitude towards being at Moody. And I was sitting there, and a guy by the name of George Verwer, who started Operation Mobilization, he spoke from this chapel, and he said, don't let a spiritual irritation turn into a critical spirit, because it'll take away your joy and derail you from your calling. And I remember that day, repenting, with tears flowing down my face. And I said, God, I will not allow a critical 
judgmental, disgruntled spirit. Father, change my heart. God, let me, let me appreciate what I'm learning. Let me view people not in a judgmental way, God. Change my heart because I don't want to waste this time, Lord. And it took that was a turnaround for me because I heard his voice. And by, by God's grace, I responded. listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job, and this is Bold Steps Weekend. Few people have more impact on this nonprofit ministry than those who have chosen to give a financial gift so that other people can have access to the life-changing, authentic Word of God. And we're hearing from people in Texas, California, even Singapore, who write to tell us they give to this ministry because Mark's teaching is wonderfully helpful for getting them through the most difficult and the most joyous times of their lives. So join with us by giving a gift right now when you call 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. Or you can give online at boldstepsweekend.org. And when you give a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of William Marty's book, The World of Jesus, Making Sense of the People and Places of Jesus Day. Here's Mark once again to tell us a little bit more about why he's recommending this fascinating resource. To understand Jesus' life and ministry, you need to understand the history and the culture of his world in the first century. Questions like, who were the Pharisees and why was Jesus upset with them? Why were the Samaritans not liked? Or, when and why did the Jewish people start worshiping in synagogues rather than the temple? These are the questions that my former professor, excellent professor, by the way, William Marty answers in his book, The World of Jesus. Get to know the times in which Jesus lived and make sense of the people and places in his day as you discover how God prepared the world for the one who would turn it upside down. This book, a Bible history survey of less than 200 pages, is our latest bold action gift And you can ask for your copy of this insightful and engaging read when you give a gift of any amount to support this ministry. To receive this book for your gift of any size, just call us at 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. The book, once again, is called The World of Jesus. You can also give online at boldstepsweekend.org or by writing to us at boldstepsweekend. 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. We should all be actively seeking our God-given purpose and destiny, but if you don't know who you are in relationship to God, it can be difficult to know where to look. So join Mark next weekend as he answers the question, do you know who you are? I'm Wayne Shepherd. That's all the time we have today, but we will see you next weekend right here on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.